Good morning. All right. Well, going to go ahead and get the gathering started on today. Glad to see everybody who is uh, with us on this morning. Uh, welcome to the Village Church, where our mission is to know Jesus, to enjoy Jesus, and to glorify Jesus in all things. And our vision is broken people coming together to embrace and extend Jesus' love. If you are a guest with us today, we want to welcome you to the Village Church. There are guest information cards located just outside the sanctuary doors in the narthex. Please fill one out and drop it in the basket. We look forward to connecting with you. Village Church faithful, if y'all see somebody that walks in that doesn't look familiar, go ahead and uh, try to get them to fill out one of those cards, okay? Our senior pastor, Reverend Alex Shipman, continues his sabbatical. So if you have any questions or concerns, please contact the elders and please continue to keep Alex and his family in prayer as they get ready to dive back in um, to the you know, work of the church uh, next month. I want to remind you all that our nursery is open today. So if you'd like to uh, take your children five and under to the nursery, you are more than welcome to do that. At the Village Church, we believe that the giving of tithes and offerings is an act of worship. You may give to the vision and mission of the church by using the link on our website. That's uh, enterthevillage.net forward slash give. You can mail a check to our physical address, which is 2103 Virginia Boulevard, Huntsville, Alabama, 35811. Or if you're here live and in color, you can um, drop off your offering in the um, designated area at the back of the sanctuary. We want you all to be a part of our flock. So please, if you have not already, go ahead and join us on Flock Note. Uh, you can contact Cynthia at enterthevillage.net. Again, that's Cynthia at enterthevillage.net. Or you can ask an elder how to join Flock Note. Now, our women's ministry team is collecting donations for First Stop this holiday season through today. So if you have donations that you would like to give, uh, please see one of our uh, women's ministry team members to give them your gift. If you are interested in sending cards or letters to residents of a local nursing home for Christmas, please have your letters or cards um, in by today to Dolores Lee. And thank you for all those who participate. Uh, we will continue our corporate prayer on Wednesday uh, at 6 p.m. at the church and via Zoom. Uh, these are all of your announcements. As always, please govern yourselves accordingly. Thank you, brother. Good morning. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Um, you know, and I get up here and I say that, but sometimes it's kind of hard, <laughs> to be honest. Um, and this is one of those mornings of driving in today. And uh, lately I've been rolling by myself on Sunday morning, so my car is kind of quiet which gives me, you know, 25 minutes to think. And sometimes that's not good. <laughs> um, but this morning is 25 minutes to think, and um, 
attend to my heart and which just honestly this morning my heart and mind is even in getting ready to come in just already kind of like just everywhere and not in a particularly good good place and so um, this this passage came to my mind as we were taking time to prepare our hearts and we're going to dive in and we're going to sing oh come let us adore him but just honestly sometimes <laughs> like okay I'm, I'm adoring but I don't feel like it um, and that's okay but this this verse came to my mind this morning it's um, Psalm 42 this passage as the deer pants for streams of water so my soul pants for you O God my soul thirsts for God for the living God when, I, when can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night, while men say to me all day long, where's your God? Um, and we, it drops down and David says, um, why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Like He doesn't say, stop being downcast he's like you know he's acknowledging yeah you are but put your hope in God and you know yet will I praise him I don't have to you know lament is a praise an act of worship so even when you are feeling thirsty you can praise him anyway and so that was just something I wanted to share not so much for you guys but for myself and um, let's just take a few moments if you're feeling thirsty go to the altar today there are little altars wherever you are and we'll just take a few moments um, to, to meet with our God
our call to worship this morning is from the song, Come Thou Almighty King. Please join with me where it notes, congregation. Come Thou Almighty King, help us thy name to sing, help us to praise. Father all glorious, all victorious, come and reign over us, ancient of days. To the great one in three, eternal praises be, hence evermore. His sovereign majesty may we in glory see and to eternity love and adore. Amen.
and you may be seated. third Sunday of Advent is Isaiah 53. Who has believed what he has heard from us, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant, and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him, and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray, we have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away, and as for his generation, who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people? And they made his grave with the wicked and with a rich man in his death, although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore I will divide him a portion with the many, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. Okay, so today, third Sunday of Advent. Every third Sunday of Advent is called Gaudete Sunday. The Latin word Gaudete means rejoice. So we highlight the theme of rejoicing because in a few days we will celebrate the birth of Jesus. So with the lighting of this candle, which is the pink one today, we joyfully proclaim that the light has overcome darkness.
season. Psalm 73, verses 25 and 26, uh, focus on what we should focus on, I think. Whom have I in heaven but you? There's nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. May that be the prayer of our hearts today as we go to prayer this Advent season, that God is the strength of our hearts and our portion forever. Above all, all the other distractions we have at this time of year, let's focus on that. Join me in prayer, please. Father, we thank you that uh, you can be the joy of our heart because of what you've done for us, your grace, 
exhibited our lives, the lives of our family of believers here, family of believers throughout the world, Father. Thank you that uh, you entered our world as you promised. We fulfill your promises. Uh, thank you that you are a promise keeper. Uh, thank you that you not only created this universe, you sustain it by your strength and your power and your might and your love and your grace. Father, help us not to take for granted your grace in our lives. That indeed you can be the joy of our hearts. Father, I think this morning of uh, those victims, those families torn apart by these uh, tornadoes through Kentucky and the Midwest this weekend. I just pray that you encourage uh, your people, particularly as they sort out this, as they seek to recover. Be with those who are grieving. Be with those who have suffered great loss. Be with those who uh, have uh, distant family members who are concerned. I just pray that you encourage those people with your love and your hope just at this time, Father. And Father, for others who suffer through uh, illnesses, uh, treatments, recovery, uh, COVID issues, I just pray that you would, uh, by your Spirit, use your Word each of their lives to encourage them with the hope that we have in Jesus. I thank you that uh, we indeed can rejoice today that you have come to this earth, that you have provided uh, for what we needed. Uh, even though we didn't know what we needed, you provided for that, Father. You entered into our universe, our neighborhood. Uh, you saw our need, and we didn't see it. And yet, Father, you revealed yourself to us in so many different ways as individuals, as diverse as we are. You revealed yourself to us in a way that's very special. Thank you for your grace in our lives. Uh, I pray for Amos that you'd be with him as he brings your word to us. By your spirit, use your word this morning to convict us of sin, to encourage us to fess on another week, Father, to be light in this universe you've given us. Thank you for the promise you've given us, and you fulfill your promises. We pray these things with thanksgiving. In Jesus' name, amen. There we go. Yeah. Good morning, Village Church family. I'm thankful to see you all today. Um, now, some of y'all might wonder, like, why I always bring my phone and I want you to see it. It has a timer on it. This helps you. This is for you. Okay. All right. So um, I go ahead and start that. And uh, I, every now and then I'll glance over it to see, like, have I been preaching for an hour? Uh, so that's what that's for. Again, really happy to see you all on today. Um, Grace, is Grace still in the room right now? Grace, thank you for doing the Advent reading on today. And thank you for being yourself. Now, y'all may not have, y'all need to get to know Grace, okay? Not just Grace the person, but y'all need to know Grace in general. But we're talking about Grace the person right now. (laughs) Anyway, that was super lame, but anyway, it is what it is. 
Grace is a, the type of person who, like, will hold you accountable. She is unashamedly who she is. And I want to uh, give her her flowers right now uh, for being exactly who God has created her to be. There's a little bit of backstory to that that I won't go all into. She knows what I'm talking about. And some other people in the room know uh, what I'm talking about as well. But again, thank you for being willing uh, to do the reading for us this morning. You did an incredible job. And our text for this morning is the passage that Grace read in your hearing, Isaiah chapter 53. Um, My magnum opus as a preacher, when I'm 75 years old and I'm getting ready to go into the, you know, I'm in the twilight of my years, will either be to preach through the book of Isaiah or the book of Romans. I probably won't touch either one of them like in a sermon series because they are such a big deal uh, to uh, our faith. Uh, And so I don't know why I wanted to tell you that, but I just felt like it was important. I don't know. Anyway, but uh, let's uh, let's get into our uh, sermon proper on today. Now, we're in a season of Advent. We've been celebrating Advent for the past couple of years and uh, for the past couple of weeks. Excuse me. Advent is the time of year where the church celebrates the first coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and when we anticipate the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And today we are going, we're going to continue our Advent series called The Promise. In this series that um, we've entitled The Promise, we are looking at the promise of the Messiah in the Old Testament, uh, but then on next week we're going to look at the fulfillment of these promises in the New Testament, which culminated in the advent of Jesus of Nazareth. Now, Pastor Marcus, he started us off a couple of weeks ago with the Proto-Evangelium promise. Uh, Proto-Evangelium, if you remember, stands for the first gospel promise. And we found that in Genesis 3.15, where God promised that the seed of the woman would crush the head of the serpent. And last week, we looked at Isaiah 11, uh, verses 1 through 9, where God promised that a shoot would arise from the stump of Jesse and that the shoot from the stump of Jesse would be a righteous and just king who would bring eternal shalom to the world. Now, today, we're going to see God's promise of a chosen servant who grew up like a plant, uh, who would save many from their sins. Now, can you all see the agricultural progression that has taken place through our series? Now, admittedly, that was not planned. That was not intentional. uh, But it underscores the progressive revelation of God's promises through the scriptures. In uh, in Genesis chapter 3, the promise was a seed. Then in Isaiah 11, the promise was a shoot. Now, in verse 2 of our passage today, the promise grew up like a young plant. Now, this agricultural metaphor develops from a seed to a plant, which points to how God will bring life to the world by sustaining his promises. Now, as I mentioned before, the book of Isaiah is one of the most pivotal books in the Bible for the Christian faith. Now, all of the books of the Bible are important. 
Uh, but Isaiah is quoted or referenced in the New Testament more than any other Old Testament prophet. I've even heard Isaiah, um, his prophecy referred to as the gospel of Isaiah. And it, they refer to it this due to Isaiah's foresight concerning the advent of the Messiah. And our passage today, Isaiah 53 is one of the most detailed accounts of what would take place during the life of the Messiah. Isaiah prophesied that the coming Messiah, who would be a righteous king, would also be God's chosen servant. Now, if you are um, a person who likes to take notes, if you want a big idea or main point of our sermon today, here it is. God's promised Messiah is the righteous and just king who will bring peace on earth, but he is also God's chosen servant who will bear the sins of many. That was kind of long, so I'll say it again just in case you're taking notes. God's promised Messiah is the righteous and just king who will bring peace on earth, but he is also God's chosen servant who will bear the sins of many. Now, before we get into the passage proper, uh, there are a few things that I need to explain about this passage. There are three different vantage points operating in our passage today. And so because of that, at different times in the passage, it can be difficult to discern which vantage point is being represented. Uh, Now, the first and most obvious vantage point is from the prophet Isaiah. Uh, He authored the book, um, and it's got his name on it. And he uh, authored this book with the prophetic words that the Spirit of God led him to speak as he prophesied to uh, Judah and concerning Israel. Isaiah is the one who's actually writing or speaking all the words here, but he is representing other points of view. He's representing other vantage points. Uh, We can consider... Isaiah, a a narrator of sorts. Now, second, there is also the vantage point of God in the passage. God is delivering this prophecy through the prophet Isaiah. So we can think of God as the writer or director who can interject his influence at any point. And just like God does, God does interject himself, specifically in verses 11 and 12 which are written from God's point of view. Now, the last vantage point is the tricky one. It's it's the tricky one here. It is the vantage point of a future people of Israel who will confess their sins and who believed in God's chosen servant. So most of the words that Isaiah writes in Isaiah 53 come from the vantage point of a future people of Israel as they confess their understanding and belief in God's chosen servant. So we've got the prophet Isaiah, we've got God, and we've got a future Israel represented through Isaiah's words. Now just to make it clear from the very beginning, this future remnant of Israel who puts their faith and trust in God's servant represents you. And it represents me. This future remnant of Israel 
includes ethnic Israel, but it also includes all people who will place their faith and trust in God's servant. So remember that as we work our way through the passage. So our passage begins with the future remnant of Israel asking a question concerning the revelation of God's chosen servant. They ask, who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? This question reveals to us that the news of God's chosen servant has spread. It has spread throughout the world. There's some evangelism and some mission that has taken place. In verse 1, the remnant inquires to see who has believed what they have spoken. And the arm of the Lord represents God's power and God's intervention in revealing his will, his will to people. The salvation that will come through God's servant is the very work of God himself. And up to this point, God's revelation of his Messiah has been relatively pleasant. Isaiah has prophesied about a king that will raise up and who will prosper the entire world. But Isaiah's prophecy is about to take a left turn. It's about to go left real quick. So have you ever been in a conversation with someone that was going very well, and then all of a sudden it just kind of took a turn for the weird? I remember... My wife's going to know what I'm talking about, so just forgive me. I remember I was talking to somebody about the truth of the gospel and about the resurrection, and they started talking to me about how they believed they were like a, a reincarnated person. Like it just took a turn for the weird all of a sudden. And so that's essentially what happens in our text. Isaiah just flips the script out of nowhere because Isaiah has been prophesying that this Messiah, this coming Messiah would be a king who would, bring, who would bring peace and prosperity to the earth. And he has talked about how he would exalt his chosen servant in previous chapters, in previous chapters. But things take a turn in the next verses. I'm in verses two and three. For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him, and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Notice again the the agricultural language at the beginning of verse 2. As we talked about last week, God is still going to bring life from a dead situation. But Isaiah flips the script. He, these verses show us that it's not going to happen the way people might expect it. God's king, God's king, his just and righteous ruler, will look more like a servant than a king. He will not be embraced like a king. Rather, he will be despised and rejected like a lowly servant. This should bring all kinds of things to our minds as Christians. 
Now, throughout this sermon series, I, I have tried my best not to go immediately to the New Testament because I want us to see Christ as he is revealed in the Old Testament. But again, this should cause us to remember the Lord Jesus. It should cause us to remember Jesus' words from Matthew 20, verse 28, when Jesus said he came not to be served, but to serve. Now, my brothers and sisters, I need you to remember Matthew 20, verse 28, because it's going to be important at the end. In verses 2 and 3 of Isaiah 53 should also make us think about uh, John chapter 1, verse 11, when Jesus went to his own people, but he was rejected by his own people. So God's servant His servant king in our text won't look like royalty. He won't be a foot taller than everybody else like King Saul. He won't be incredibly handsome like King David. Uh, The Messiah won't come in an extraordinary fashion, but he will come in an ordinary way. This, my brothers and sisters, is the way that God operates. God uses ordinary means to do extraordinary things. And God gives us, the people of God, he gives us grace through the ordinary means of grace. He nourishes us spiritually through his word and sacrament. He communicates with us through prayer. He helps us to feel a special awareness of his presence when we gather together as brothers and sisters in Christ. And so while... We are trying to find God in the extraordinary and in the miraculous. God has already revealed himself in the ordinary things of life. My brothers and sisters, I don't like pain. My wife and I, we recently talked about how much we just don't like pain. We literally do everything we can do to avoid pain, but for good reason. Pain hurts. It's not pleasant. I don't recommend it. But our next verses show us that peace and shalom, the peace and shalom that has been promised by God will come through pain and suffering. But not ours. God's chosen servant is going to suffer in the place of others. Let's look at verses four through six. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray, we have turned every one. To his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. My brothers and sisters, I want us to notice, I want us to understand and see the vicarious nature of these three verses. Now, look at the pronouns. I try to emphasize them for us. The pronouns, he, him, I, pronouns. I won't take us back to grade school right now. But look at the use of the pronouns as I try to emphasize them. In verse 4, uh, in verse 4, <clears throat> he 
has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. In verse 5, he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. In verse 6, we have gone astray. We have turned. And the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. Now, my brothers and sisters, I, I, I hate to keep jumping ahead uh, prematurely to the fulfillment of these promises, but it's no secret that we're talking about Jesus here. So I want to do a, a, little, uh, a little exercise. I want us to really understand that it was our sin that put Jesus on the cross. So I'm going to go back through these verses, and I'm going to replace some of those pronouns. Verse 4, surely he has borne Amos's griefs and carried my sorrows, yet I esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. In verse 5, he was pierced for my transgressions. He was crushed for my iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought me peace, and with his wounds I am healed. In verse 6, I, like a sheep, went astray. I turned like everyone else to my own way, and the Lord laid on him my iniquity. My brothers and sisters, it was my sin who held, that held Jesus on the cross. It should have been you and it should have been me hanging there, enduring the wrath of God for sin. But thank God through Jesus Christ that Jesus endured the pain of sin on our behalf. Do you see the vicarious nature of these three verses? Now, again, out of necessity, I got a little ahead of myself, but these verses, these next verses show us that not only will God's chosen servant suffer, but God's Messiah, his promised king, his servant king will actually die. Let's look at verses 7 through 9. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb that is led to the slaughter and like a sheep that before its shearers is silent. So he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. And as for his generation who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people. <clears throat> and they made his grave with the wicked and with a rich man in his death, although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth. God's chosen servant, this servant king, will willingly lay down his life. And so the fact um, that the servant remains silent through oppression and affliction is actually not a sign of weakness. Rather, it is a sign of complete confidence to finish the work that God has given him. A full disclosure, my brothers and sisters, I'm a person who likes to talk. I talk a lot. 
And I come from a family of talkers. My wife knows that that's true. And part of what I do vocationally requires that I talk a lot. So I must say that the Lord has placed me in the perfect vocation for the gifts he's given me. And being that I like to talk, I'm also the type of person who says whatever I think. So if it wasn't for the Holy Ghost, I probably wouldn't have a filter at all. So if it pops in my head, it's likely going to come out of my mouth. So it's one of my goals as uh, as a person, it's, it's one of my goals to talk less and listen more. But full disclosure, it's difficult for me to show restraint sometimes because I sometimes feel or believe that speaking is where I derive my power and authority. As a preacher, there may be some truth to that, um, but it's much easier for most people to give in to their desires rather than to show restraint. But the servant in our passage, he doesn't have to talk because he knows where his true power is. He doesn't have to speak because he was vindicated by God in both word and in deed. So verse 9 tells us that the servant had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth. This means that the servant was completely righteous in word and deed. But the servant humbled himself unto death. Who does that sound like, friends? The servant king in our passage was able to take death head on because he knew what was coming in verses 10 through 12. Let's look at verses 10 through 12. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offering. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the many, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because, because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the, transgressor, the transgressors. Yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the righteous. Verse 10 says it was the will of God to crush his chosen servant. And that his soul or life was the offering for guilt. But look at the second half of verse 10. Again, I'm going to emphasize or exaggerate some of the pronouns that are used here. The text says, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper his hand. We just read in verse 9 that uh, the servant was placed in a grave with the wicked. But here in verse 10, the text says, he will see his offspring. His days shall be prolonged, and the Lord will prosper his hand. And my brothers and sisters, 
Each of these pronouns refer to God's chosen servant. So the question arises, how can a dead man see his offspring? How can a dead man's days be prolonged? And how can a dead man prosper? The answer is simple. He can't. A dead man can't do any of these things unless that dead man is alive again. The servant in our passage could willingly lay down his life because he knew ultimately that he was going to be exalted. The previous chapter, Isaiah 52, verse 13 says, Behold, and this is from the vantage point of God speaking, Behold, my servant shall act wisely. He shall be high and lifted up and shall be exalted. So, my brothers and sisters, death was not the end for this suffering servant king because he will see the result of his vicarious suffering and substitutionary sacrifice. This shoot from Jesse will be alive to see the fruit that he bore. The Messiah, this just and righteous king, God's chosen servant, will bear iniquity. He will pour out his soul to death. He will make many to be accounted as righteous, and he will bear the sins of many. Who does this sound like, my brothers and sisters? This, my brothers and sisters, is the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And earlier in the sermon, I mentioned Matthew 20, verse 28, and I intentionally only quoted half of the verse because of because the other half of the verse says something quite significant. Matthew 20, verse 28 says, Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. God's promise of the suffering servant king is fulfilled in the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the servant who makes Many righteous. He is God's chosen servant who bore the sins of many. So, my brothers and sisters, will you put your faith and trust in this servant king? Jesus bore our sins at Calvary. The weight of God's anger against sin was placed upon him. So, will you trust in this servant king who has died for your sins? My brothers and sisters, I pray that you would run to this servant king, King Jesus, in faith and repentance. That you would devote your life, that you would give your life to him. This is what the Advent season is all about. It is about the promise that God would bring death, would bring life, rather, would bring life from death. He would bring life into the dead situation of our world. And next week, I'm excited that we will finally look into the New Testament and see the full fulfillment of these promises in the Lord, in the first advent of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, my brothers and sisters, let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for your promises that um, you have given us. 
thank you for their fulfillment in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we thank you that the first advent gives us assurance, gives us guarantee of the second advent. Lord, as we live in the in-between, as we live in the already but not yet, would sustain us by your ordinary means of grace. That we would not only see you in the extraordinary, but we would see you in the ordinary. But we thank you for sustaining us. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for the future peace that we will experience in your presence. In the name of the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit that I do pray. Amen. Amen. We're so thankful for God's word this morning. If you would please stand and sing with us. Good for you. 
Now I don't have to talk so loud. Um, after the gathering, uh, we're asking that uh, everybody just stick around for a couple moments, uh, um, just very briefly after the um, the benediction. Did I just say announcements? Okay, it's all good either way. All right, so um, now receive uh, the Lord's benediction. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Go in grace.